jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Gay Well, at the risk of sounding like Ashley Judd or Michael Shannon, I have to say, Anthony, that I have reached the... I think there are bugs on me stage of quarantine. Oh, no. But the reason why, you see, is because, all right, I got up to do something. Who knows what? To refresh my beverage. Yeah, yeah. Something. Let's yeah, another say. splash of vermouth. Another splash of crystal light and vermouth. <laughs> <laughs> Over ice, of course. Uh, I come back in. And right above where I had been sitting, there was a spider <gasps> doing the Mission Impossible thing from the ceiling all the way down. <laughs> Complete with song. Complete with song. There were lasers everywhere. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck happened to my house? <laughs> Captain Zeta Jones, is that you? <laughs> uh, yeah, right, uh, right where I was sitting. So had I not gotten up, to refresh my beverage. What if the spider went in my hair? And so since then, oh. I have constantly felt like there could be a spider on me. She's Stacy Spider Hairs. Stacy Spider Hairs. There could you could at any moment you could be like the scary stories that tell to tell in the dark, mm-hmm. and they just explode out all over you. Exactly. And who would know? Next week I would go to go record Gaylords, and they're like, "Where's the link? Where's Stacy? Yeah. Where's Stacy? You didn't hear?" Her hair was made of spiders. (laughs) (laughs) She was one of the Gashley Crumb Tinies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In bed, you know, uh, not to get too personal, but I had a fan turned on. Oh, yeah. You know, as you do when Uh it's warm weather. And I believe a piece of hair did blow from the fan and touch my face. And I was up and out of that bed so fast slapping myself around to knock the spider off me oh no that spider dangling over my head gave me a little bit of the ptsds they'll go away probably but for now i'm just constantly thinking there's something on me well i went out to the river yesterday to enjoy some sunny alone time and i I was sitting out there luxuriating you know and and it's it's so beautiful it's serene it was a nice warm day the water was nice and you could actually get in it it wasn't like frigid and the 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 cotton cottony bits that fly out of the trees what are what are those things called there's these little cotton fluffs and they're blowing everywhere in the in the slight breeze and it's gorgeous and then one of them lands on me and i'm like oh and i look and inside is like this exploded mutant bug. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like tangled up in there and then it's all smearing on me. And oh. I was like, Why? <laughs> So I feel you. I, <sighs> I mean, it all d- does uh, tie in, like the, the feeling of having bugs on me. <laughs> yeah. 
the the sense of how many hours have I been sitting here in my house? The sense quarantine. of time having no <laughs> meaning any longer. Because uh, today we are talking about. 1978 disaster epic as part of Disaster July entitled The Swarm. You know, <laughs> here's the thing about The Swarm. Here's one of the things about one, The Swarm. One of many things about it. Uh, It's 160 minutes. <laughs> Should have been 90. Feels like a thousand. <laughs> Feels like one thousand hours long. <laughs> yeah, you see, Irwin Allen, producer director, king of the disasters, he had achieved box office glory with Poseidon Adventure and The Towering Inferno, which are disaster movies, but they're kind of good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, like Icarus or a bee. <laughs> He flew too close to the sun. (laughs) Something actually with wings. Yeah. (laughs) He flew too close to the sun uh, and said, I'm going to go bigger and bloateder than ever with the swarm. (laughs) And it was a major flop. Man, oh man. And uh, it deserved to be a flop on the one hand. On the other hand, I love this movie. I loved some things about it. (laughs) <laughs> girl this was an arduous watch it's so bloated <laughs> it has these little moments and and almost like airport 75 like these just eccentric eccentricities eccentricities Ex- eccentricities mm-hmm. it has those uh in fleeting but beautiful moments that make me laugh so hard and make me say I enjoy this when I'm not trying to gouge my eyes out (laughs) yeah well here's the thing it's like Irwin Allen directed this and it's like it's so bloated that instead of just having one shot of a helicopter land which we'll get the idea oh it's a helicopter and it landed it needs to be a 10-shot sequence. You need to see the person fueling up the helicopter. Then the hu- helicopter beginning to take off. Then the yeah. helicopter... Literally, you'll see the entire flight of the helicopter. The two hours that it takes the helicopter to reach its destination. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's there's... all set up for a scene. <laughs> yeah. It, there's a lot of that. And I feel like if you could edit this somehow it would just be so much more enjoyable because when it's when it works baby it works when things actually happen when the four or five times that the giant killer bees well they're not giant but the giant swarm of killer bees shows up in the film it's hysterical at best (laughs) And, and 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 for a good best it's funny it's fun those bees fuck shit up those bees fuck shit up. They're cute, too. They're real cute. They're real cute. There's lots of cute bees. They're mad. Uh, you know, and they they have no mercy. Are you a child? They don't care. They kill a bunch of kids. They kill a bunch of kids. They'll kill old people. They'll kill young people. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Are I loved child? seeing them attack that school and that little girl in her red jumper slowly laying down because she was dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> the the poignant shot of the bee colored lollipop. <laughs> yeah. 
Only a moment before, a boy was licking it. He was. And now it's covered in bees and the boy is dead. It really shows you how precious life is, how you never know what's your last day. You never know what is the last lollipop you'll ever lick. Oh! Right? That was what they put on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> and then the movie was a flop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's got it. The cast. Oh my god. What a cast, though, right? What a cast who... <laughs> they get to show up in scenes when Michael Caine isn't yelling and eating sunflower seeds. Okay. <sighs> Do people... Is Michael Caine a good actor? That's what Jason asked, and it is a question. Because I feel like I've never seen him act with... Uh, more than his mouth. Well, because he's always just there. He just kind of stands there with his face, and he just he just kind of sits there and just kind of talks like that, you know, like he's a cockney kind of thing going on. And it's just that. Yeah, his everything. Eye, he's got dead eyes. Like he, whatever's going on with his mouth, he does all of his acting through his mouth, and his eyes never engage. Tyra Banks would be very unhappy with his. Performance. <laughs> she really would. She, she. I wasn't even rooting for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She wouldn't be. And well, and that's what I was, there's those scenes where he's yelling at the general and, or shout, like he's like, they're like supposed to be having these screaming fights together or at each other back and yeah. forth. But I'm like, it doesn't come across that he's screaming at this guy as much as he's just talking loudly at him. Yeah, like and, he doesn't feel angry. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. And his cadence is really weird. So it's not, there's no build up to a yell or anything and it's like he do, he'll just the honeybee is vital to the environment every yeah. year in america they <laughs> pollinate six billion dollars worth of crops like it's just <laughs> it's like what i like him so i think he can be good like he's good he can be good when like I, well, actually no i don't know if he's good then because he kind of does like he kind of gets like the morgan freeman thing where, like, yeah. he gets paid to show up and, like, say something, like, poignantly. Yeah. And then, like, people feel kind of warm fuzzies because they're, like, familiar older actor. And then he walks off screen and that's it. Like, maybe that was him in Cider House Rules and stuff. Mm. But, like, otherwise, like, I, I loved him in Children of Men when he was the stoner. And he had the crazy hair and he was, like, growing strawberry cough. <laughs> but that's the only thing I can think of. I decided, watching this again, I said, you know what? I'm just gonna allow myself to think this okay thought police i'm doing it anyway <laughs> i don't like michael kane good for you thank you good for you it feels blasphemous to say that because you know he's a storied actor or whatever but uh, he doesn't do anything for me yeah i just didn't see i especially not in this and he's no. the star of the film and he just yeah. stands there mouth acting yeah yeah and not shelly winter's mouth acting Right. <laughs> she went to a very different school. That's right. So, okay. A massive swarm, get it? It's the title. <laughs> oh. Of African killer bees have decided to attack the United States. They start in Texas. They invade uh, an ICBM base. What does that mean? Intercontinental ballistic missile, I believe. Oh, okay. That makes sense now. Um, they kill most of the people inside. Then they move on and they attack some picnickers. 
<laughs> like Amish picnickers. <laughs> yeah, they complete they with hide the mom in, the in her house dress and her giant wraparound sunglasses <laughs> and her big sun hat. Yes, wouldn't protect her from the bees. And the dad that just goes, "I'm hungry," because <laughs> yeah. he's a great ex- actor. <laughs> I wondered if they were actually like bee people and not actors, because he was terrible. Yeah, because they had to lay there forever and let the bees crawl over over their faces. Yeah, maybe yeah. they were bee people. Um, so eventually the bees move on to Marysville, which is this little town that wouldn't you know it, it's time for the flower festival of all the times of the year. Uh, the bees keep attacking, they're super venomous, there's nothing you can do. Michael Caine is trying with the help of Richard Chamberlain and Henry Fonda. They're trying to come up with a solution. Eventually the bees move on and are like, fuck you, we're going to attack Houston. And so by that point, all the other uh, plans have failed. And so they're like, let's just set Houston on fire. And then when that doesn't work, they lead lead the bees. They lure them out over the Gulf of Mexico, <laughs> spread an oil slick on the Gulf of Mexico and set it on fire. And that's the end of the movie. They, they shoot missiles at it. Yeah. And they, they blow up the Gulf of Mexico. Michael Caine this whole time has been worried about the environment. Like, if we can't do anything that's going to endanger the honeybee, the honeybees are vital. They pollinate $6 billion worth of crops! <laughs> Sunflower seeds fly out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, he's been so concerned about the environment and whatever we do, blah, blah, blah. And so ultimately then his solution is to shoot missiles at an oil slick on the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> And it's with Catherine Ross and Michael Caine. Oh, yeah, because Catherine Ross is in this. <sighs> who I love, and she's terrible in this movie. Oh, my God. Not by her own fault, but she just has nothing to do. And and it ends with them just, like, staring at each other in embrace while the Gulf of Mexico burns. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just huge flames behind them as they stare at each other. Because they're in love. Because they're in love because they drove a car together to go to the hospital. Yeah, they have known each other for at least 15 minutes. Did sparks <laughs> fly? Absolutely not. That doesn't matter. Uh, she is Dr. Catherine Ross. Which, she is. Which is very exciting. But uh, then you quickly realize that she's the worst. She's the worst doctor I have ever seen in a movie. She, they forget that she is a doctor constantly. They put the lab coat on her and that's about it. That's it. That's all it is. She sits on a patient's bed. The patient flatlines. So she goes to get another doctor who then uses a stethoscope. That's it. And then someone else dies in her presence and she runs out and gets an oxygen mask and puts it on the person, but he's already dead. She takes her sweet ass time and she's dead. He is flatlined. She, you see the flatlines happening. She, yeah. she takes off his glasses, sets them down on the desk, <laughs> picks up the oxygen mask. Puts it on his face. Did CPR not exist in the 70s? It, you know what? CPR had been around for 20 years and she is a doctor and I would think that she would know that, first of all, a dead person is not going to breathe. (laughs) And there are things you can do to help them breathe and then give them the oxygen. (laughs) Instead, she holds an oxygen mask up to his dead face and stares at the flatline as if... This magic oxygen is going to get his heart beating again. 
And she's a science doctor, too. Mm-hmm. She has a lab coat. She has her military outfit, so you know that she's a military science doctor. She has her own stethoscope. Okay. <laughs> she does nothing. She does nothing. There's right at the end towards when Michael Caine is running out to supervise the exploding of the Gulf of Mexico, the air the helicopter lands and I was like, "Why is she with him?" <laughs> and I, oh, it's because they're a couple and because you think she has they're to, you're told that she has some agency in the storyline because they're she's a couple with him, I guess. And the helicopter lands, and Michael Caine run like somebody tells Michael Caine something, and he runs off to go supervise the thing, and that that's the end of her storyline. Basically, she just sits in the back of the helicopter and nods her head while someone talks to Michael Caine, <laughs> yeah. and that's basically her role through this whole movie. Is she just is in the background and nods her head and changes her outfits one hundred times? She does. Everybody else in this movie wears one outfit. Michael Caine has his turtleneck in the whole movie. Yeah. She has a new outfit every scene. Yeah. (laughs) Including, like, like it starts out, she has her lab coat. Then she has her go into town, go into the hospital military jacket. Suddenly, she goes to the hospital to visit the the kid that is dying. And she's in her, like, Sigourney Weaver's Ice Storm um, (laughs) key party, like, swingers cocktail dress with her giant, like, done-up pretzel hair. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. Why well, you, is she fat doctor fashion Barbie? <laughs> well, you can't tell. That's the thing, too. It's like, how many, like, how, what's the time period of this movie? It feels like a day. It feels like at, a day. At one point later in the movie, when they're driving and she has a different outfit again, she <laughs> says, you've had a rough couple of weeks to Michael Caine. Yeah. But has it, and I can't gauge time because... It feels like I've been watching the movie for years by this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, okay, we have Patty Duke Aston. Patty Duke Aston. Aston at this point, right? Okay, we learn early on that her boyfriend, who was about to propose, was killed at the ICBM base, right? He was one of the army dudes. Okay? She's pregnant. She's very, very pregnant. Okay? She's ultra pregnant. He's like super pregnant, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so he dies early on. The next thing you know, it's time to evacuate Marysville. But she's like, oh, no, my baby's going to come out. So they take her to the hospital. She has the baby. And on the way out of the hospital, she falls in love with her doctor. <laughs> Who has been in the movie in one scene. I mean. And all he does is stethoscope her. But they're in love. Like, what? It makes no sense. Things it just... Makes no it's, sense. Well, it's the same thing with the quote-unquote romance between Sunflower Seeds Kane and Catherine Ross. Yeah. Where, like, all of a sudden he just, like, literally they're in the one scene when the all the military... Because, you know, the movie opens, the military shows up to the bunker, everyone's dead, Michael Kane is just hanging out behind a door. They open the door and he's like, hello, and then that's it. And then they they go off to the hospital to look at the people or whatever, and Catherine Ross rides along with him. So they've only had that one scene in the bunker together at that point. And then he's like, "I really, I really like you, and I like spending time together with you," or whatever. You're the it's you're the best thing that's happened to me in all this. And yeah, it's like, uh, you the hundreds have... of people who are dead aren't the best thing that's happened to you. 
Yeah, you've stood next to each other in a hallway once and now driven in a car. And suddenly this is a row. And then the next scene, the the lieutenant or whoever who's been tasked by the general, because the general and Michael Caine don't like each other. So then, uh, and he's like, lock him up. And then the president calls on their on their projector screen video phone because <laughs> the technology in this movie is very confusing. <laughs> the president calls and they they give Michael Caine full command with zero questions asked to to run this task force because now it's a war on with the bees. Where <laughs> Michael Caine even says the war I've always talked about is started, <laughs> and so so then uh, he gets tasked with this, all this whatever and then um he the general sends his lieutenant to like keep keep tabs on michael kane and dig up any anything and create a full dossier and then the lieutenant goes up to michael kane and he's like i'm you know i'm not i'm not i'm suspicious of this relationship you have or he says it's Catherine ross i can't remember but suddenly even they're informed about their personal relationship and i'm like at this point they've only driven in a car together Mm-hmm. Why is this movie trying to convince me that they're in love? <laughs> well, here's the thing, okay? I I don't mind if there are heterosexuals in a movie, but when you force it like this, you know what I mean? Like, I like it when heterosexuals are in the movie, but it's because it serves the story. If they just want to force some kind of agenda and have these people fall in love, it's like, I don't have a problem with hom- with heterosexuals. Okay. It's a really giving statement. My, my parents are heterosexual. My landlord is heterosexual. Like that I don't must have, have been a hard for you. I don't have a problem with them. But wow. when they just try to force this sick agenda. Well, like, that's the thing. If it's a I I can even smile and be like, oh, that's cute. If it's straight people and like they actually have chemistry and the guy is in a fucking dick and she likes it, then I'm like, okay, sure, that's cute. I can get behind this. But like <laughs> In this, oh, I forgot. In this, they're, they're like hanging out, looking at dead bodies, and then they look at each other, and then a love theme starts to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, they've been in one scene. Yeah. Why well, is there a the... love theme playing when they're in a fucking morgue? <laughs> well, that's the thing, because they're forcing their agenda, right? Yeah, that heterosexual agenda. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they thought this movie needed romance, and it's like, you have romance with my senior citizen love triangle. The senior love triangle is all this movie should have been about. Mm-hmm. And it was what was, it was what was, I was holding onto for dear life until it was ripped out of my fingers. It really is ripped Halfway out. through that film. <laughs> it really is ripped out. First of all, it is Fred McMurray and Ben Johnson are rivals for the heart of Olivia de Havilland. Olivia de motherfucking Havilland. What the hell? She is God, great in this with her I... southern accent. She's the only one. This takes place in Texas. She's the only one that got any notes or took yeah. any notes. <laughs> yeah. She is the superintendent. And she is going to help set up those signs for the flower festival. (laughs) She has two sweet old men vying for her attention. But she's fine, like, just living her life. She's great. She doesn't doesn't need this romance. No, because, like, she says to the, when she says to the second, when she says to the, the mayor who comes in, and is bringing her flowers after she's already received flowers um, from from uh, Felix. Then she says, 
but I'm already married in a way to the school. <laughs> like she is like, she is like a nun or a priest. You know, she's married to the church, but she's married to all those students. Well, that she's sounds wrong. Career, she's a career woman. She is a career gal. Which is honestly kind of nice that she's a little bit older. I say seniors. <laughs> like she doesn't seem like a senior in this. No. Uh, but you know, she's got her career and that's all she really wants or needs. She, uh, like she's a big deal in the town. Also, this movie would have been, if they had scaled it back and they didn't decide like, let's go to Houston or let's go all to Texas or to make it like if they had just scaled it to just an incoming threat on this one town. Mm-hmm. And you really get to know Patty Duke and Olivia de Havilland and all the characters there. Then we're talking. Mm-hmm. Then, then maybe that would have worked. They went way too big. But when when you get the so the military's all like, oh no, Michael Caine is right, and the killer bees are gonna kill everyone. And then they have a press conference or like a, a info sesh with everyone in the need to know. So all the military people are there. The mayor is there. Olivia de Havilland is there. Mm-hmm. Because she's important. She's very important. You must notify the school superintendent. The school superintendent has to know. And then they tell everyone about what's happening, that the bees are headed to Marysville, and then everyone just goes back to their normal lives in Marysville and brings Olivia de Havilland flowers and hangs outside. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, if this is that thing now, Stacy, where it's like how everyone says coronavirus ruined Jurassic Park because now we just have to accept that it's... T- ultra realistic that they would reopen the park over and over which is true because disneyland is doing that right now or disney world but like this movie i'm like why is no one doing anything why are they just sitting there waiting and bringing olivia to Havilland flowers when they should just be inside gluing their windows shut no instead they wait until the the swarm literally descends on the town (laughs) and then it's like okay well here's what we learn about these bees is that they can get inside sometimes. They can get inside, say, a helicopter or a nuclear power plant. But if you smash out the giant front window of a diner, the bees will not enter the diner. (laughs) Don't you love when you're trying to get inside to get away from the bees and you can't use the doorknob right, so you just have to break the window, which will protect you from the bees outside? I'm like, that was a bad idea, you dum-dum. Or, Stacy, you know, those bees, because those are angry bees, and we know that they can use their their pincers to, to rip apart plastic. Michael Caine points that out, and then they never come back to that ever again. Yeah, but, he finds some garbage on the ground and assumes that the bees did it. Yeah, and that they're making, they're building their hives out of plastic, and then they never come back to this plot yeah. line. And, <laughs> yeah. and so you know they've got these big pincers, and you've seen... You've seen them take down, at this point, you've seen them take down two helicopters, which actually that was great when the guy, the helicopter pilots on the intercom or whatever, and he goes, oh my God, bees, millions of bees. (laughs) And then the helicopters explode and they blow up real helicopters. Mm -hmm. But then all it takes is three little kids to turn trash cans upside down and the bees can't just knock over the trash cans as the kids are hiding in the trash cans. Mm-hmm. There is yeah. not a one-to-one correspondence here, is what no. I'm saying. No, no, no. You never know where the... But the bees, like I said, they get inside the nuclear power plant. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and then, the, like, the way it's edited, 
it looks like Richard Chamberlain explodes for some reason, and then the nuclear power plant explodes. Oh, but... yeah, yeah. He, they, the bees Chern- Chernobyled everyone mm-hmm. at yeah. one point. Mm-hmm. So they're going to deal with the fallout from that. They're going to deal with the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, we're fucked. <laughs> It's so good. And I can't critique it for being unrealistic because as we have seen, this is exactly how it would go. Yeah, people would just be like, okay, well, I'm just going to live my life. The bees won't get me. I'm going to have flower festival. I'm not afraid. (laughs) Bee sting people every year. Yeah, yeah, this is just like all of us. It's not a big deal. This is just like all of us, me included, when we were first hearing about coronavirus. And we're like, it's just like the, it's just as bad as the flu. Mm-hmm. We'll be fine. I kept waiting because they get a little wackadoodle in this movie with what the bee, like, if you get stung, then you start hallucinating giant bees everywhere. Yeah, if you live, you hallucinate giant bees. You, you start sweating like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So three stings will kill you, but if you get like one or two or three or four, they keep going back. Three or four will kill you, and then like one or two stings, you'll be fine. You just will sweat a whole lot. You'll see a giant bee, and then maybe you'll die or maybe you won't. <laughs> and there's that great scene where Catherine Ross is like, "Who? Catherine Ross spends a lot of this movie sweating, even before she's stung by a bee, which was mm-hmm. also an interesting choice." Like when he meets her in the bunker, her forehead is just dripping. And I'm like, what? Nobody else in this scene is sweating. Why is she so warm? But um, there's that great scene where she she has the flare up again. And she's like, oh, no, I'm ill from the bee sting. And she's all getting sick again. And she's seeing that she opens up her door and it's just like the land shark skit. But she opens up the door and there's just a giant bee there. Yeah, I just put that on my Instagram. It's she, so like, amazing. She, well, she hears something scratching at the door. It's not even yeah. like, like, originally when we see the giant bee hallucination, it's like the kid in bed, and he's like, no, he just saw his parents, they were the picnickers. He's like, oh, the bees are here, the bees are here, and he's hallucinating a giant bee. And so you think, okay, maybe this is a really terrible way to symbolize, like, PTSD. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's what, it didn't seem like that was going to be a recurring theme. Right, instead it was a recurring theme, and Catherine Ross is sweating in bed, and then she hears like, (laughs) at the door, and she's like, who's at the door? And she opens it, and it's the giant bee, and she's like, ah! And then she closes the door and lays down. (laughs) Michael Caine comes and gets her, they have to take her somewhere else. She tries tries packing all of her outfits, which have been hung up on that rack. (laughs) So it proves to me that she does take all of her outfits with her everywhere she yeah. goes. Who brought all her clothes to the hospital? Why does she have all of her? And literally you see every outfit that she has worn. And I, at that point I screamed, all of her outfits! <laughs> she actually does. I was just so confused. Why is she constantly changing clothes? Even when she's hallucinating giant bees. But I kept thinking with all these like, with the wacky bee things, I kept thinking like, oh, what if like, Patty Duke gives birth to a bee or like they I wanted bees to start exploding out of people or something like that to happen oh wow I just thought if they were going to go this wild with the bee hallucinations I need to see Patty Duke give birth to a bee I need to see bees exploding I need to see bees making hives in or out of people Mm. like they should have they should have had her get stung 
And then at least she could have had a baby. They'd be like, ma'am, here's your baby. And it's a bee. And she's like, oh, God, my baby's a bee. And then they're like, it's what? It's fine. And it was a hallucination. Yeah, because of her hallucination, right? Yeah, that would have been good. And then maybe she works through that with Dr. Jose Ferrer. And then that's why they fall in love. Mm -hmm. And that would have been a scaled back movie focused on the town and focused on what? My senior citizen love triangle. (laughs) <laughs> instead we get senior we get the whole town evacuated in the train i love that train shit the train scene is incredible we get this train and it's driving around they literally have the entire town packed in this train and they're they're going off to somewhere else and then you see the two guys up in the what's the front train car called <laughs> the engine part the engine you see them up there driving the train what they have one window open and mm-hmm. a guy just goes oh there's a bee on my hand and then the other guy goes don't move too fast so then the guy hits it literally the second he hits the one bee on his hand there is an explosion of bees everywhere and they're all in the train <laughs> They were waiting. They were waiting to see what he would do. Yeah, they he just yeah, let right? the bee go. It would have been fine. But they were like, oh my God, he did you see that? He swatted at Betty. And so they were like, let's fuck his shit up. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Justice for him, Betty. <laughs> and then they explode all over the engine. And then the, they're all freaking out. They hit the gear. And then the train starts going super fast. And then what? next thing you know, that train is fucking derailing. There are cars flying everywhere. The one, like, you know, the mayor flies out. Felix flies out. You see Olivia de Havilland rolling around on the ground. Next thing, explode. She fucking explodes. Yeah, this movie does one of my favorite things several times, which is when there is a crash of a car or a train. <laughs> it crashes, 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 and then it explodes. It has to explode. <laughs> so this, we get, not only do we get uh, the beauty of a model train rolling down a hill. Yeah, they were bad model trains. Then it explodes. The ambulance drive like oh the ambulance driver is attacked by bees. He crashes through the hospital door. And then it explodes. <laughs> I love it. Richard Chamberlain gets stung by a bee. And then he explodes. And then he explodes. <laughs> and then the reactor Chernobyls and I do have to say, not to get too dramaturgical. But that doctor was not Jose Ferrer, just because the doctor had an accent, okay, Mexican I thought that was paper. him. No, he was in the nuclear power plant with Richard Chamberlain. Oh, my God, you're right. This movie is torture. It's so bad. Two and a half hours feels like two and a half weeks. Why is it this long? But, man, when it gives me the good stuff... When you, I'm into it. When you get that, like we said, the the kids dying in slow motion, because people only get attacked by bees in slow motion in this film. Well, so you can see the bees. Yeah, and they're cute. Mm-hmm. They de- do you know they de-stung eight hundred thousand bees. They like de-stingered them. Oh my god. Which I don't even know how you do that. And also, I actually do feel like sad for the bees because they're really yeah. cute. And this movie probably engineered hive collapse <laughs> or colony mm-hmm. collapse. Um, but like. When you see all those cute little bees flying on everybody, you see the dead lollipop kids, and then that scene when that that is the best sequence of the movie, besides Catherine Ross and her land shark bee, is Olivia de Havilland. She runs into the schoolroom, 
and she looks outside and there's all the bees and they're all she sees all the dead kids laying in the courtyard in front of the school and then she does this like she does this slow motion turn away from the screen towards or turn away from the window towards the camera and does this like oh <laughs> scream moan <laughs> i told you the movie was worth it for her darth vader moment yeah, yes it was totally it padme no <laughs> i told so, you it's so good <laughs> those so that- those bits yeah the bits the bits that are good are the best it's just there's so much in between i mean even the dialogue in this movie when general richard widmark says houston on fire will history blame me or the bees (laughs) yeah i wrote that down and i circled it (laughs) it's like it's just so so good but then you have like michael Caine, who just sucks and so much bloat so many if there's so much padding in this movie it's like if we could just get an edit that cuts all that stuff out and give me the b goodness give me that model train well so this movie originally when it was released stacy it was under two hours mm-hmm. and then after the goddamn laserdisc release in 1992 Every home video release, including the DVD, including the Blu-ray that I watched last night, every video release is the 160-minute cut. Mm-hmm. Why? It doesn't, need, it doesn't need to be. Why would you take a movie that was a giant flop and criticize for how bad it was that yeah. even Irving Al- Ir- Irwin Allen would not talk about after it came out? Mm-hmm. Like he shut down an interview when somebody asked a question about it. Mm-hmm. Why would you give us more of that? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, it's not like oh, well, missing these three key scenes in the original cut. I mean, it just changes the movie. It's like no, it's just bigger. It's literally a question of trimming the fat. Like it's mm-hmm. it's you don't need to see them fuel up the helicopter and right. every step of the way to the helicopter landing just to introduce a character getting off a helicopter. Mm-hmm. You don't need to include Okay, no. I'm sorry. I lie. Let me take this back. You do need to include the bizarre sequence of Michael Caine walking out of a room in the science laboratory looking at a lunch lady, science doctor. <laughs> And she looks at him and goes, eh. and then she walks away. <laughs> and there's no point <laughs> of this interaction. <laughs> that sequence was incredible. But the, it's just like the opening scene. You had warned me in advance that this movie was very, very long. Yeah. The opening scene is the entire credit sequence of like 20 minutes of these guys getting into that bunker and just walking through hallways. Mm-hmm. in silence and then all of a sudden a guy says um a guy finally says a line and then there's a huge music stink and then it's like a swarm mm-hmm. but it's all that setup i don't need people i don't need scene transitions that tell me how someone got from one scene to the other i don't need to see them walking it's it's the mass effect elevator mm-hmm. yeah but movies They're... don't need loan screens <laughs> no but this movie is full of this load screens. Yeah, this movie's full of them. It's just, it, all that stuff can be edited out. Ten shots can be edited down to one, if you even need that. Yeah, there's so many in inter- there Just, there were so many. But at the same time, that's the enigma of this movie. Because at the same time, it's those bizarre interactions that are so pointless that had me laughing the most. 
where I'm like, why would you put this in or leave this in? Mm-hmm. But that also kind of gives it some of its charm in a weird way. Yeah. Like the lunch lady delivery science nurse. Yeah. I believe her name, according to the credits, was woman scientist. Thank oh, you. <laughs> thank you. She's She might be related to, um, to lady doctor. artist from and, Don't Go yeah. Into the Woods. <laughs> yeah, and woman doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what does this movie need? This movie, okay, it has Cameron Mitchell as a general, so you know, first of all, you're in good hands. Yes. B movie, B movie, Z movie. Z movie legend. Legend Cameron Mitchell. This movie absolutely does need every scene that features Lee Grant, star reporter, which I have decided that this, even though the names are different, perhaps she changed her name after the B incident so she wouldn't be uh, swarmed with questions (laughs) about it. I have decided that her star reporter in this is the same as her anchor woman in Visiting Hours a few years later. I need to see it! Yeah, it's... I don't know how I feel about Visiting Hours. It's, uh, I mean, Lee Grant as a news anchor, so it's A+, plus, obviously. Michael Ironside sweating a lot in, like, a leather tank top. Um. I'll leave that up to you to decide. Um. I'm only hearing pluses, Stacey. Um. It's just, it's not, uh, it's kind of dull. The last time I saw it, I thought it was dull. Maybe my feelings have changed. But I she, do want to see it again. But she's a news reporter. Would you say she's in peril? Yeah, she's absolutely. She's an anchor woman in peril. Stacy. So you know I love those, but I mean, it's it's just a little, like, as a slasher movie. I don't know. I But I haven't seen it in forever, so I do need to give it another chance. I'm going to ask you this. If she is her same character in that, in visiting hours, does she also wear a succulent that's just taped to her lapel? <laughs> I don't remember. She's in a hospital for a lot of it, hence the name Visiting Hours, hence that fantastic cover art where the lights are a skull. It's a skull. It's good. I've seen that. Um, Maybe she just is in a hospital bed hallucinating a giant Michael Ironside <laughs> in a tank top. I have had that hallucination. (laughs) And that's why you don't drink a bottle and a half of cough syrup. (laughs) That was a conversation for last week. (laughs) Talking about our roots, right? Lee Grant. I love Lee Grant. Is fantastic. She does not. She, I think she gets the most burnt in this film. Yeah, she has nothing to do. She has like two scenes and then that and she interviews Michael Caine and then that's it. We don't even find out what happens to her character. We don't know if she's on the train. Yeah. <laughs> she's just gone for the rest she's of the She's you know what? She's off to the next scoop. She's probably on her way to Houston <laughs> to film all of that. She was not afraid of the bees, okay? She wanted to get the story. And so she got in the van and told her cameraman to get on the van. And they drove around filming bees. And then when Patty Duke was like, my baby's coming, she got out and helped Patty Duke into the police car. She's a hero. In my eyes, give her all the Pulitzers. Thank you. <laughs> I love Lee Grant. She's always, no matter what the role is, she's always cranky. And she's always 45 years old. She is. 
She's perfect. I love her. I had no idea, actually, that she was, like, a big director also. Wait. What? For real? Yeah. Did she? What does she do? Does she do a lot? She does a lot of, like, feminist documentaries. What? Yeah. Dude, Lee Grant's a fucking boss. She did a documentary about uh, transness, I believe, in 1985. Are you, are you fucking kidding me? She really is an investigative journalist. What sex am I follows a group of transgender individuals struggling to make their way in every strata of 1980s America. In, you said 85? 1980 fucking five. What the shit? Mm -hmm. While, while what? People were making, uh, uh, making love (laughs) or whatever, like. Friday the 13th part five. Yeah. (laughs) A new beginning. (laughs) Yeah, she documentaries and like a lot of made for TV movies. She and like wow. a lot of feminist shit like about uh women in prison and like what their lives were like, all kinds of shit. And she had to slog through this bullshit? Mhm. <laughs> She's the real deal, man. Oh, wow. I love her. I love her. Love that orange bowl she's got going on. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Olivia de Havilland. Listen, people, Olivia de Havilland, right? Let's treasure her while she's still here. I know we just talked about her in the last episode. (laughs) I love her. She's perfect. If you've never seen, I mean, uh, uh, um, uh, you know. What's the one she did with Betty Davis? Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte. Hush, Charlotte. hush, sweet Charlotte. Hush, hush, sweet Charlotte. If you've, seen, <laughs> if you've never seen Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, where she wears a dress and looks impeccable, okay? It's worth... Well, that movie is real fun. If you can... It's it's the, when Betty Davis was just yelling a lot. Oh, yeah. All her lines. At Agnes, the last 30 years. The last, like, 30 years of her career. Um, Agnes Moorhead is in it in... Oh, in a performance that is, I call it subtle, in an ironic way. Uh, but Olivia de Havilland in that is French Kiss. I mean, uh, Chef's Kiss. French Kiss starring Kevin Klein and Olivia de Havilland. <laughs> yeah. Um, or if you've never seen The Heiress, I don't know if that's on the Criterion Oh, I don't channel. know The Heiress. It's in uh, the Criterion Collection, which is having the 50% off sale. It is, she is fucking amazing. She won an Academy Award for that. Mm. It's, she is so good at it. Do you know, she won the Academy Award after her sister Joan Fontaine won an Academy Award, though. Yeah. And that yeah. haunted her her whole life. That's why Joan Fontaine is dead. I was reading all about the rivalry between them. Oh, it's unbelievable. And Joan was like, in the, like towards the end, Joan made some, she was like, she, she always hated me. I got married first, got my first Oscar, <laughs> got the Oscar first. And if I die first, she'll hate me for that too. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what fucking monsters? I love them. Yeah. Oh, well, I love that Joan Fontaine was basically like, yeah, I mean, whatever, we're sisters, it's fine. But Olivia de Havilland was like, burn, bitch! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, Joan Fontaine came up with a plan to murder Olivia de Havilland with knives. (laughs) What? Yes, when they were children, she planned and she plotted, and I don't know how this is public knowledge, she plotted to murder her with knives. She was going to lure her out and murder her with knives, and then she decided not to do it. 
Slenderman told her not Slenderman. <laughs> she was going to Slenderman Olivia to Haviland before she blew up on the train. Wow. And that's the that. root of the rivalry. I Well, then, all right. I, then I'm on Olivia's side. <laughs> I mean, I always was. Let's, let's be real. She's Olivia to Haviland. She's the last, right? Like, I mean, when you think about that era of Hollywood. Oh, yeah. She's like the last, right? And still is. <laughs> she's still... I was I was talking with Maddie and I was like, oh, wow, this was her second to the last movie that she did. And Maddie goes, oh. And he was like, wait, what? No, she's still alive. <laughs> like, <laughs> this was her second to last movie 40 years ago. Yeah, before she fucked off to France. Yeah, yeah. And just takes selfies with people and in the yeah. middle of coronavirus. She just rides her bike around. Yeah. So... I mean, this movie, is it worth it for Olivia de Havilland? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, anybody who hasn't seen this, but thinks they want to, it is a slug. I know we've said that, but we need to say it again, because it is... Arduous. It's like a part-time job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're literally counting at the watch, waiting for the hours till you're done. Yeah, it's your second job, so... Yeah. Be warned, the good shit's real good. Richard Chamberlain in a beard. <laughs> what more do you need? I love him. It's too bad he wasn't able to be out at the time, but he was a hunky leading man. He was. He was. The Thorn Birds. Mm, I love That's a hot cool. priest. Love a hot priest. Um, But, you know, you can look at him and say, I know you're gay under that beard. A beard! Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The movie has great lines. um, Really good writing by uh, Sterling Siliphant. Uh-huh. who wrote lines like um, Henry Fonda when he's doing the test on himself because for some reason he's trying to find an antidote and so he decides to inject himself alone in a room with <laughs> twice the amount of poison that you would need to kill someone. I don't know why he's testing it with twice the amount you need to kill someone instead of a minuscule amount just to see if it counteracts it at all. <laughs> I assume he has a death wish. And so he injects himself with twice as much. He watches his results and he says, my life's, they're turning bad. (laughs) This is important science words like turning bad. Great script. Oh yeah. When Michael Caine says, I never dreamed it would be the bees. They've always been our friends. (laughs) It's good shit. But also I will say it's like vaguely... Uh, shaded like racism and xenophobia right oh because they're i mean african killer bees like killer bees were a genuine worry at this time i was gonna ask that the 70s was the the killer bee craze right it wasn't the 80s it was the 70s they were always on the way yeah (laughs) like like the you know the migrant train caravan right like it's oh it's coming it's out there we swear you mm-hmm. better beware that it's uh, it's on the way and so they repeatedly these are african killer bees these are african killer bees and so eventually when they just shorten it and say things like our war against the africans there will like, be no more africans after this 
<laughs> yeah. So at the end of the movie, after the credits, there's a disclaimer that says the African killer bee portrayed in this film bears absolutely no relationship to the industrious, hardworking American honeybee to which we are indebted for pollinating vital crops that feed our nation. On the one hand, I say it's good they put something because people are stupid and they would end up going crazy every time they saw a bee and they would kill all the bees and we need the fucking bees. Yeah. But I do love that an American bee has to be industrious and hardworking. Like, uh, we have so centralized work culture. You gotta work hard. You gotta keep working. Yep. Work, 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 work. That even the bees... Have, they're not worth anything if they're not industrious and hardworking. And a quote-unquote African bee, because they're actually called Africanized bees. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, they just call them African bees. And then, like you said, it just turns into just saying Africans over and over and over mm-hmm. <laughs> in the last half of the film by generals setting them on fire. <laughs> um, the Africanized bees in this, they just eat, they eat plastic and they kill you and they make you uh, uh, hallucinate giant bees behind doorways. Yeah. Yeah. And I did appreciate that disclaimer, which I wonder if they put that in there because they almost got sued by the American Bee Association for defamation against bees. <laughs> well, it could be dangerous. Look how stupid people are. Oh, know? yeah. I imagine so many people must have killed bees after this. Not to mention, and let's be real, the movie itself, they had to desting 800,000 bees, which I don't think was good for the bees. And then they set them on fire. Mm-hmm. Which, Stacey, begs the question. This is my last question about this film, really, besides why. Is... <laughs> Why did they set all the? Why did they burn down Houston to set and try to set the bees on fire when they could just shoot water at them and their wings would get wet and they would fall on the ground? Mm-hmm. And then instead of Houston burning down, it would just be wet. They could shoot cold water at them, and then that would be better. Yeah, that would stun them, mm-hmm. and then they would fly. Also, bees could just fly away. You know. <laughs> Like, if I'm going to get a candle and be like, yeah, take that, bees, the bees will be like, all right, bye, and fly <laughs> away, and then come back. I don't see how setting Houston on fire <laughs> was going to solve anything. <laughs> well, that didn't, but, but exploding the Gulf of Mexico Exploding with missiles, the Gulf of Mexico, yeah. That does yeah. it. That'll do it. Add that to the books for Disaster July. Um, yeah and burn it and <laughs> shoot a missile at it shoot a missile at it thing the swarm i'm still wiped out from the swarm the swarm like is i've been stung <laughs> the swarm I'm is just... the ultimate benchmark horror movie it really is uh, of stamina <laughs> tolerance i feel like i'm gonna start hallucinating the swarm blu-rays giant sized ones over my bed <laughs> We're knocking on my door. <laughs> With their little pinchers. Yeah. <laughs> Just cleaning off their little antennae. Uh, it's so bad, but I don't care. I love it. I, You know what? It's a, an atrocity. I hated my life as I watched it. I had a river sun post-sun headache. I wanted to die. Jason was saying how much he hated the movie. It was horrible. Um, and I love a 70s disaster film. So whenever I saw Olivia de Havilland, did my heart not light up? Mm-hmm. Did I not love Catherine Ross's outfits? 
And her bad doctoring. <laughs> and her bad doctoring. It gave me that. And What's the Lee Grant news van pulls up? I'm like, <laughs> this is all I need. This movie could be ten hours long. As long as her news van pulls up, action Lee Grant on the scene. <laughs> That's what the van says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all I need. Give me that. Give me a model train going off the rails. And I'm good. As bad as it is, I will take a a bad 70s disaster horror movie over almost any bad horror movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Right now, these days, as we live through the actual disaster times. Agreed. I love a disaster July. Mm -hmm. It'll be back next week because you know what? It's still July. Uh huh. Look at your calendar, <laughs> right? So next week, another disaster, another day in July. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh- Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my my god! God. Oh my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Ha, ha, ha.